You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to another edition of Waiting for Next Year's Cavs Cast, part of the Evergreen Network. This is your host, Seth, and joining Waiting for Next Year's Airwaves, I believe for the first time, I believe, you can read his work on Write Down Euclid, listen to him on Lockdown Cavs, which I do every single day, follow him on Twitter at AmNotEvan, folks, it's Evan Damrell. Thanks for... I'm telling, I'm telling everyone every time I like join someone on something, whether it's the guys on the radio, whether it's you, I just got to hire you all as my personal hype men. So whenever I'm just feeling down, I'm just like, Hey Seth, can you hit me up real quick? Just like, give me a quick pick me up. And then like, you just list off everything. Give me a little round of applause. Like mm, my ego is, my ego is satiated. Like I'm going to come out of here with a huge brain. Just like really just feeling it afterwards, but thanks for having me. Absolutely. That, that I promise you that intro every time we talk, it's never, that's like the bar. It's never going to go below there. So there and better from here on out. So we're, we're rolling. There you um, go. <laughs> so first off, thank you for joining. And I know we, we have a couple of things we want to get to tonight. We're going to keep it pretty tight. This is our first time podding together. So just appreciate everyone listening. Uh, be patient with us as we kind of navigate here. But before we get started, before we talk about anything, you know, looking forward into the season, Evan, I have to ask you, what was your reaction when you heard about the Donovan Mitchell trade? Were you like him where you're on a golf course and screaming and hooting and hollering? What was your initial reaction to that trade? So funnily enough, I just wrapped up golfing when the news, when the Woj bomb kind of broke and I, I was off work that day. I was like, you know, I'm taking the day off. Nothing's going to happen. We're going to relax, take it easy. And then I went golfing with my dad. And then I was grabbing lunch with my parents, and the Woj bomb dropped. And I was just like, hold on. And then <clears throat> I had a gut feeling who was involved in it. So I reached out to one of the players' agents, and he's like, yeah, he was traded to Utah. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I pieced together the pieces of it. I'm just like, wow, well, but this is this is kind of big. And my brain just kind of started melting for a second. So I'm just like getting overwhelmed with all the details and like the overall public reaction to it all. So it was it was cool, man. Like and then seeing them in practice together and seeing them just perform together and like it just you can feel like yes, Darius Garland said the vibes are immaculate, but you can like really feel it. Like it's like genuine and like, yeah, there's something to be excited about with this basketball team. And like it all, it all hit right after I got off the golf course, which just makes it even more fun. Unbelievable. Yeah. Sorry. I know that was, that was kind of a random, I had to slip it in because I mean, arguably that was the biggest story of the entire off season. I know you weren't, you weren't around when we initially kind of broke out and had a few pods. So I had to get your initial reaction to that. It's awesome. Oh no, you're all good, man. There's a, there's, it's, it's like a long trip. There's a lot to unpack when it comes to Donovan Mitchell right now. So yeah. it's exciting though. Like, like, like we're going to talk about camp. We're going to talk about the preseason. Like it's exciting stuff. And I think <clears throat> that's what I really said in my article right down to you. Just my initial reaction was there's something to really be excited about here. Like there's like, you could just 
feel it. Like, even during his intro presser, like they had a bunch of fans at Burke and they had a bunch of fans in the arena cheering him on and stuff. And he he's a bit of a man of the people at Donovan Mitchell. Very calm, sophisticated, intelligent. He, he's come off great so far. Um, mm-hmm. Before before we get into last night's game, the first preseason opener for the Cleveland Cavaliers, I'm going to do a quick ad read from our friends at BetterHelp. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life, but when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash WFNY today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash WFNY. So now, Evan, that got your initial reaction about Donovan Mitchell. Wanted to talk a little bit about the first preseason game. So it's one game. The starters played a half. (laughs) So there's not probably a ton to bite into yet. But, hey, we got to talk about something here, right? So real quick, stats-wise, like I said, the the starters played a half. Um, Donovan Mitchell, his debut for the Cleveland Cavaliers, 16 points, five rebounds, two assists in 19 minutes. Darius Garland, 12 points, four assists in 15 minutes. Outside of, let's make it tough. Outside of that duo, if we can go back and forth, what were three things that you took away from last night? Three things that stuck out at you that you noticed. Three things that you realized uh, from last night. So, like you said, the, the starters only played the first half, and a lot of meaningful rotation guys only played the first few minutes of the third quarter, like Dean Wade and Jetty Osmond to an extent. So, there's not a lot to sink your teeth into, like you said, but there are some interesting storylines. Um, for me, the biggest thing that stood out, though, is there is still no clear-cut answer at the starting three spot. We talked about this on Locked on Cavs a little bit the uh, for Thursday's episode, but it just feels like, yes, you saw Karis LeVert start. You saw Isaac Okoro play. You saw Dean Wade play some minutes at three next to the starters as well. Like You can tell that it's going to be a process, and I am very curious to see how the Cavs have this figured out before the preseason's over because J.B. Bickerstaff really emphatically said like, Hey, we're going to have this solved before the regular season starts. So when they roll into Toronto, they know what they're about at the starting three. And just, I don't know how you feel about it, but it's just like, it doesn't feel like there's a clear cut answer. And I think that's okay, but you're playing Philly a second time and hopefully you maybe get a little more info out of it along the way. Yeah, and am, and am I going crazy in, in thinking that – I mean, the the preseason just is so quick now. It, it's oh, They yeah. play four games. It's like you barely have enough time to see anyone. Mm-hmm. I just recall, you know, from years ago, it being a much longer process and you'd have a better feel on different – you know, more time that they would have. And now it's just like, well, you hope people are healthy because you have four games at it, and then you're, you're rolling right into the regular season. We're, we're two weeks away now, right? Yeah, we're – oh, my gosh, we are – we're actually less than two weeks away at this point, but the time we're recording this, but yeah, the preseason's a lot quicker now. It's, it's tricky because this evaluation process is hard, but the only nice thing about it is, and it stinks for my mileage. And I mean, I get reimbursed for gas, which is nice, but like it stinks for my sleep schedule too, a little bit. It's just running back and forth to independence. But the only nice thing is with preseason is these guys actually get time to practice. They get time to learn, they get time to burn. And I mean, I think that's where the clear cut answer is really going to come is, who stands out the most in camp? And I mean, Jamie Bakerstaff's a guy who doesn't play his hand at all, but 
it, it's a it's a process and trying to read within the half truths and everything else and try and figure out maybe like what makes sense what doesn't make sense like i i don't think the dylan Windler and jetty osmond are clear options to start at the three but and i think it's like a clear race between karis levert and isaac coro but hey somebody could surprise all of us because a lot of people have pointed out like larry marketing came off the bench in their first preseason game against chicago and then when the season opened he was their starting three which kind of took everyone by surprise one of the things that stuck out to me last night, and I don't know if, if you shared this too or not, we haven't talked about it yet, but just the the amount of good depth that the Cav- this Cavaliers team seems to have. I mean, we, we all know how, how big of an upgrade that Howell Neto is over, you know, no offense, Brandon Goodwin was last year when, when they were really struggling with injuries and even the backup center spot. Obviously, we were, you know, the Cavaliers were, were pressed to play Moses Brown significant minutes and, and seeing Robin Lopez down there. It, this is the first time in a while, obviously, top talent um, speaks for itself throughout the yeah. LeBron years, but just like through guy like 12 or 13, just like, man, they just, they just have NBA dudes, don't they? Just seems like they, they could go really deep if they get in some trouble this year. Yeah, so it is an interesting thought exercise because before they brought in Donovan Mitchell, they did have a they had a lot of depth. Like they had Larry Markin, they had Ochai Abaji, they had Colin Sexton coming back, whether it was on a contract or the last year of his rookie rookie contract. And then you bring in Neto, you bring in Lopez. Like <clears throat> you you hit the nail on the head. Where last season you look at guys like Ed Davis or Moses Brown or Kevin Pangos or Brandon Goodwin, and like yeah, they they were serviceable, but they weren't good enough when you had to call upon them for multiple games when an injury hits or when COVID kind of hits or just ravages your roster as well. Like there's a lot of unexpected things that kind of hamstrung the Cavs. And I think just sometimes that back end depth is key. And there were some good things that came with the Cavs kind of getting banged up. Like you saw Lamar Stevens take a big step. You saw Dean Wade look actually pretty comfortable starting at the three. And I think that's why he's in the conversation now for the starting three spot. And but you're absolutely right. Like you bring in these guys, but then you trade Sexton, Abaji, and Markinen off to Utah for bringing Donovan Mitchell, and you just have so much ta- loaded talent in that, like your core four between Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen, that you can have one of any of them on the floor at any time. Like I know JB Bickerstaff has said that they're going to have always one of Garland or Mitchell on the floor at any moment, and you saw a little bit of it you know, the other night against Philly when. They played a little bit of point Don off the bench, which worked really well for them, or with the bench unit rather. And now it's just like they have good depth, like you mentioned. Like they have Levert, they have Acoro, they have Love, they have Rubio eventually coming back. And then you have Neto and Lopez and guys like Wade and Stevens. Like they have a lot of good, just like quality, solid depth where they don't really have to maybe run into awkward situations where maybe an injury happens or they rest guys or even if like just based on situational stuff too, like even Jetty Osmond could get some burn too, where like having Donovan Mitchell kind of like really throws things for a loop. Like you can really just load the back into your rotation of shooting your defense based on who you're playing. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
I was talking to a good friend uh, the other night, last night, and we were talking about, to your point, Evan, the the options that the Cavaliers have now with different lineups, different players. And I'm like, man, JP's going to earn his salary this year, isn't he? I mean, like last year, the previous years, it was like, okay, these are my eight or nine guys. They're going to go play. If one of those get hurt, you know, we'll, we'll throw in someone else. Now it's like, oh man, he's, he's got some serious options to toy with. So I'm very interested. And it's kind of one of the things I'm like you said earlier, we're not going to learn a ton. Perhaps JB's pretty tight, <laughs> plays it pretty tight, but just the amount of different, you know, strategic things that he can do with this team now with that depth is going to be really fascinating. I can't wait to see what him and newcomer Luke Walton, you know, what kind of offensive lineups they're going to put out there. So JB actually mentioned Luke Walton's going to be helping with the defense and the offense. And I had a reader uh, ask me a question, like, what's he going to do? And I'm like, eh, maybe he's involved with guard development because to an extent, Walton did learn some things from coaching the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors kind of played for themselves when he was leading the charge for Golden State while Steve Kerr is recovering from back surgery. But he's had his hand in developing De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, just to name a few guys to begin with. Like, he has a pretty solid resume. And, like, if you want to have a guy who wants to work with Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland or even Ricky Rubio or – hollow netto as well then you could also have him work with like lamar stevens just to teach him like hey this is how you can last in the nba if you become want to become like a jack of all trades master of none kind of forward off the bench or like in walton's case a key piece for the championship lakers but yeah man like this Cavs team has a lot of fun options and it's it's a fun thought exercise too especially now donovan mitchell here because you saw success with him playing the point with a unit of him i believe a coro love Levert and Allen where you have something similar to what they had in Utah where you have Allen who's an elite defensive anchor and is an elite like pick and throw roll option and Donovan Mitchell's an elite pick and roll ball handler then you put shooting next to him and then a little bit of defense as well and a cutter and Isaac Okoro where like you saw that really great play where um, Mitchell was driving to the basket and then the defense clapped on him and he saw a streaking Okoro and he had the vision and wherewithal to just kind of do the wraparound pass and throw it to a coral, which is probably the best play of the night against Philly. So it, it's, it's fun to think about what the Cavs can do. I think this team having an elite point guard like Darius Garland and having like a top 20 player in Donovan Mitchell, at the two guard spot really accelerates things, but it's, it's a shame we couldn't see Evan Mobley play against Philly. It's a shame he sprained his ankle, but I'm most intrigued by what his upside is because he's really putting an emphasis on like shooting and offense. And if he's a shooter, like this Cavs team's going to be really scary on both ends of the floor. I was thinking about the lineup that JB put out last night and obviously without Mobley, they put love in there, but with Karis and you think about just one through four with that lineup of Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Karis Levert and Evan Mobley. I mean, all those guys can initiate some level of offense and then JA is the ultimate screen and, and, you know, uh, get lobs or pick and roll. And it's just, man, the, the offensive possibilities are just, just insane. Um, Speaking of that, and I think you and I were kind of hitting, hinting around it right there. Was if we look at training camp only being, you know, another less than to your point, less than two weeks away, is there a certain whether it be a, a player's individual trait or 
a certain play style. Is there one thing that you want to see throughout training camp, uh, i.e. Okoro's, you know, initiating the offense or shooting slashing ability or certain play styles where, you know, certain guys are on the court? Is there like one thing that you're hoping to see or maybe even that you saw last night that you took note of? Well, before Evan Mobley went down with the injury, because he'll be he'll be out till through the whole preseason and hopefully plays against Toronto. I, I was hoping to see, is this shooting stuff real? Because he really talked about it during media day. And then one day during practice, like he was just taking standstill shots just around the perimeter with some of the coaches. And then I asked JB, I'm like, hey, are, do, you, are, do you want him shooting those? Like, are you encouraging that? Like, obviously they are because he's practicing it, but he's just like, yeah, if Evan's open, we want him shooting it. And like, that's kind of interesting to hear because like Mobley showed a little bit of that touch at USC and it's something that I think like really could unlock the Cavs offense. But since he's out, I just want to see more of, and something I just really noticed is the gravity between Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, because Karis Levert kind of joked about it. Like Philly plays defense a little less intensely than Cleveland does. At least they have in camp and they were found themselves a bit more open last night against Philadelphia. But Darius Garland like saw the defense collapse on him a lot, or he saw somebody throw their best perimeter defender, or their two best perimeter defenders against him to frustrate him, and he saw the offense bog down. But like you see Mitchell just moving around the perimeter and Kevin Love to an extent as well. But like watching those two feed off of one another, just with the hypothetical threat they have on the perimeter, is just really cool to see. And I want to see more of it. Like I want to see Donovan Mitchell take advantage of defenses collapsing on Darius, or I want to see Darius being able to pepper the ball on the interior on the perimeter of the shooters. Like there's a lot of cool stuff and I'm just interested to see what else they can do to play off one another, you know? Well, you, you, everyone that's listening knows that Evan and I didn't share uh, notes before we came in. Cause that is exactly what I had written down was <laughs> how Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell were going to play off each other. I, I was really impressed with how much ball movement there was last night early on. And it, exactly to what you just said, Evan, the amount of times like Donovan did a little curl and went and went to the the baseline and just, there was just constant body movement in and out. And it's, it's one half. We obviously need to see it at volume, but and that, that offense was, was moving. The ball was moving and it was great to just, you know, we, we got really beaten down. I think the last 20, 30 games of, of the last season, just watching pretty much Darius Garland, just, just try to take the offense onto his shoulders. And we knew what was coming and, and we knew how they got beat in, in the play and was, you know, multiple guys getting thrown at Darius and them begging anyone else to beat him. So the fact of having some gravity elsewhere on the court was just a really cool thing to see. Um, finally. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is cool. And it's what you're hoping you would have gotten with Karis Levert and then, when you look at Colin Sexton on the bench, you're like, this is exactly what the Cavs needed, but they got the ultimate level up on Colin Sexton, in my opinion. Uh, I I wrote it. A couple other people have said it too. Like it's a self self idealized version of what the Cavs wanted Colin Sexton to be is what they have in Donovan Mitchell is where they have a guy who is a good three point shooter, but is more comfortable shooting from the perimeter than maybe taking mid range shots or attacking in the interior. But like, yeah, it's going to be something interesting to see. I'm, cautiously optimistic i think there's going to be growing pains just because garland's young mitchell's a little bit more seasoned but he expects touches and i think garland's going to expect them too and then obviously you have to feed evan mobley and jared allen as well unless those two learn how to initiate an offense and run pick and rolls which i'd be flabbergasted if that was the case but it would be it's going to have some growing pains i think that's just to be expected with a team that just suddenly has star level expectations now 
but it's going to be fun when they start clicking. And I really do think, and this is the other thing I'm kind of hoping to see throughout preseason is can the Cavs find a little bit of balance on offense where like they're dominant on the interior by feeding Jared Allen a lot. And you saw him getting frustrated with Embiid. So it's understandable. And the Cavs took advantage of Philly, just kind of letting the Cavs get what they want on the perimeter. But JD's kind of ethos as an, an offense as a coach is like, let's dominate on the interior. So defenses collapse on us. And then we get wide open looks on the perimeter. And if the Cavs can kind of establish that balance, like they're, like I said, really going to be a really scary team on both ends of the floor next or this upcoming season, rather. Yeah. One of the metrics I'm very interested to, to watch throughout the year, obviously we all know it, that the Cavs were, were really low in terms of three point attempts last season. And it's going to be very interesting to see with, with Garland and Donovan in, in the uh, the starting lineup where that number goes, they shot a heck of a lot of them last night. I think they, they were up to, almost 41, 42%. They made a lot of them, uh, Kevin Donovan and Darius specifically. Uh, it'd be interesting to see just where that, where those three-point attempts are at uh, this this upcoming season. Um, Evan, you talked about Evan Mobley's injury. So we have a couple guys with uh, ankles right now. So Dylan Windler, uh, it sounds like he suffered a minor ankle injury. Evan Mobley as well uh, suffered an ankle injury. It sounds like he, he uh, had his foot stepped on by Robin Lopez when he was going up for a shot. Any you know, reason for concern. Obviously, we don't know too much until we know how you know how treatment goes. But do you have any reason for concern in terms of the start of the season with Evan, or do we just need to kind of see how the next week goes and, and see what what we hear back from the Cavaliers? I mean, when JD Bickerstaff was pressed about it after the news was formally broken by the Cavs that Evan Mobley sprained his ankle, um, Bickerstaff kind of just alluded to the fact, saying like, "Hey." he's going to be fine for the season opener. Like he, he didn't seem too overly concerned, but obviously included the caveat of we'll see how he's feeling in a week or two and then like ramp up production from there and figure it out. But it's just, like I said, it's disappointing because Evan Mobley is just such an intriguing player overall that you wish you could kind of see him play. So you can kind of get a better understanding of where he's at heading into year two, because he's physically like just looks different he looks much more mature and the offensive stuff is just very tantalizing and intriguing with him especially when he said yeah i plan on bringing the ball up and running plays for the offense i'm just like okay cool let's tell i want to see more of this so (laughs) right i i wouldn't be too concerned about it we'll obviously wait to see what the update is the Cavs are a team that is very that are very patient they do right by their players where they will the frustration of fans sometimes kind of drag out the recovery process, but they want to make sure the guys feel hundred percent both physically and mentally and feel comfortable on the court. So when they come out there, they don't re-injure themselves again. And just in the other vein of things with injuries, like the Dylan Windler news just stinks. Like you feel bad for him because literally I think the day or two before the news broke that he sprained his ankle, um, he's like, this is the first time I've been fully healthy since my senior season of college, which was four years ago. And like, he's like, mentally, I feel good. Physically, I feel good. Like, I really want to show that I'm an NBA player and I can make an impact at this Cavs squad. And like, you hear that news, you're just like, man, that stinks. Like, I I, I feel like a lot of people are rooting for Dylan Miller just to see him have success on the court, just because the potential and the idea of him is always there. And I've written about this a lot, but just seeing a guy like just constantly get beat up by injuries, it just makes you think like, man, that's, that's tough. The article that you wrote, Evan, was so timely because I think you had that article out and it was, wasn't it literally within like 24, 36 hours you, you get the report that he's injured exactly. Or the afternoon of, I know it was the morning of because the Dean, my Dean Waits article came out that afternoon. Uh, and I was just like, 
And what hurts even more is Dylan Windler's trainer gave me a shout out on the chase down. And I'm just like, man, I just like was talking about how your client can't stay reliable. And then he gets hurt and just stinks. Like angle spray, no joke. And apparently according to Chris Fewer's report, it was a pretty severe, like severe enough where it swelled up pretty badly and they're trying to get it back under control, but it's just, one step forward, two steps back all the time when it comes to Dylan Wendler and his recovery. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, obviously needless to say, we're pulling for him, man. He just, and, and the tough part is he, he's a, he's a player that could really, the Cavs would really benefit <laughs> from his archetype. So you know, not to say he's necessarily challenging for the three spot, but he, he's challenging for potentially minutes there. So yeah, that, that would have been nice and hopefully he gets back healthy here. Uh, well, hey, we got one last segment. I know this is something you and I both kind of enjoy to talk about. So we're going to do a little gambling odds segment here. Uh, so I went out and picked three different future bets. And just for anyone listening at home, uh, legalization of sports betting is is coming, right? January 1st, 2023. So you got you to gotta look up. You got to go on websites, get your glossaries going. You got to make sure you, you understand what language Evan and I are talking about here. But a future bet essentially is you're making a bet for an outcome that's yet to happen. So you can make a bet to say the Boston Celtics are going to win the finals and that's going to have a certain odds as well as the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I went out and took a look at three uh, different bets for future for the Cavaliers this upcoming season. And Evan, I'm hoping you'll share which one you'd be most confident in uh, with the odds that you're getting back. So these are all uh, plus, meaning you bet $100 and uh, the money you get back uh, essentially are the odds. So I'll go ahead and list them off, and then I'm hoping you'll be able to clue us in on which one you like the most. So the first one we have is the Cleveland Cavaliers to win the East at plus 1,500. So bet 100 win 1500 net 14 Cavaliers to win the East at 1500. The second is Evan Mobley to win defensive player of the year plus 1700. The third is Kevin love to win six man of the year at plus 2500. So the longest odds bet a hundred to win 2500. So I'll, I'll run through them real quick. One more time. Cavaliers to win the East plus 1500 Mobley to win defensive player of the year plus 1700. Kevin Love to win sixth man of the year plus 2,500. What bet are you choosing? Where are you putting your 100 bucks? I'm not, I'm not going to go with the winning the East one just because uh, I think this Cavs team's ceiling is the Eastern Conference Finals just for now. But I mean, everything can change. Just the East is really freaking good this year. So it's going to be tough. But the, the, the six man of the year one is intriguing because Evan, the Evan Mobley defensive player of the year one seems like the most obvious answer. That six man of the year one is intriguing because Kevin Love was asked about, did, does he think he should have won it? And he's just like, no, the, the Heat made the playoffs and they're one of the top seeds in the East. And let's just say Kevin Love produces similarly to last year. I don't expect the same production, but let's say he puts up similar numbers and the Cavs are like just one of the hottest, best teams in the East. Like I think a lot of the voting may be reactionary to it. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put a hundred bucks on the Kevin Love six man of the year race. Like I'll, I'll, I'll put my money where my mouth is. I think the Cavs are going to be one of the surprise teams of the East, even though they were surprising last year, but like they're going to level up and having Kevin Love just being a consistent bench threat is just going to really vault him up the ladder and probably pass Tyler Harrow and guys like that. I love it. I love it. That's exactly where I was going. So bet a hundred when, when 2,500, the reason I, I like Kevin and to your point, I think 
90 plus percent of people are saying Evan Mobley defensive player of the year. Sure. Great. He's still probably got eight guys ahead of him and it's, it's going to take Evan probably another year or two, I think to get yeah. into that annual conversation. Uh, Kevin love with the added attention of a Donovan Mitchell, Kevin's going to have a lot of open threes this year. So I, I love that bet too. Yeah. You, you kind of saw it a little bit against Philly last night where Kevin loves just like, you know what, man, I'm wide open on the perimeter. I'm just going to shoot it. Like, cause again, defenses have to pay attention to Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell when they're on the floor and you have that three-point shooting threat. It's it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun just watching what this Cavs team can do once they kind of – I'm saying like close to the All-Star break, maybe a few weeks before, maybe a month before the All-Star break when this team really starts firing and then if they can get Ricky Rubio back in the fold, like the Cavs could, could curb stomp a few teams along the way and just kind of be that top team in the East again. Yeah, we can foresee some, I think, 35-point quarters where they just come out and, yeah, Donovan hits three threes, Kevin Love hits another couple, Garland hits a couple, and you look up, you're like, what the hell just happened? And, it's, exactly. yeah, it's, it's the old Cavalier. So, well, we're uh, <laughs> we're we're about at it. We're going to go catch some Thursday night football, I think. Uh, before we wrap, though, Evan, any last nuggets, thoughts, anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap and, and talk again next time? Well, I don't want to torture you Thursday night football because apparently it's just as bad as everyone thought it was going to be. Um, no, not really any nuggets right now. I'm just seeing Ricky Rubio practice every day after practice. Like he he's drenched in sweat, but he's clearly cutting and shooting. You can see the rust is still there, but I'm excited to see what he brings to the table too. Other than that, um, Dean Wade's a fun guy to talk to. I think him joking about him being wide open most of the night last night against Philly was pretty funny to hear too. So it's going to be fun. If you, if folks happen to be at the wine and gold uh, scrimmage on Saturday in between the guardians game before the guardians game, I'll be there. If you happen to say, see me come say, Hey, I'm not a stranger. I don't bite. So always appreciate meeting people out and about. So yeah, just thanks for having me either way though. Yep. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you all for listening. Thank you. I saw we got some comments in. We'll be sure to read them live next time. I apologize. I botched that. So we'll be sure to engage on those comments next time. Uh, we'll follow us here, WFNY Cleveland at Seth underscore hoops at am not Evan. Uh, we'll try to, like we said, we're going to try to do this every once in a while. So we'll be back. We'll make sure we, we publicize it on Twitter. Thank you all for listening. Have a good night. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.